Social Strategy Podcast, episode number 70. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, where it's all about making the most of your business with smart tips on what's working now in social media, online business, and good old-fashioned networking. And now your host, who's also known as Ross PR on Twitter, Vernon Ross. Hey everyone, this is Vernon Ross and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best in online business, social media, and good old-fashioned networking. And guys, I'm really excited today. I um, have been talking to a lot of sales professionals here lately because I've been focused on sales and writing this book and getting everything ready. I'm thinking about launch strategies and just in the business of securing more business for myself and helping other people that are friends and stuff like that. I find that there is just a need to develop sales skills. When I found this next guest, or when she found me, or we found each other, I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but we ran into each other, I think through a mutual friend. It was probably Fabienne from Marketing to Crush Your Competitors podcast, who's great and hooks me up with a lot of really interesting, amazing guests. Something that I've been doing lately on the podcast is focusing on women. You know, a lot of you guys may not know, but I grew up, my mom pretty much was it lost my father early. So I like talking to strong women because I've had an example of that my entire life. So my next guest, she developed a sales system to help women connect with big clients because what she saw, she got involved in a a local women's group and she met all these powerful women. They were doing things, but they didn't really have big clients. And she was trying to figure out why are these women working so hard when they could be selling to bigger competitors? And that's Melinda's background. Melinda Chin is my next guest and she has been working in large corporations, helping large corporations find other clients with other large corporations. And she's amazing at it. She's been in sales for 15 years, worked the trade show circuits, the financial industry, even the sporting goods industry. She is like a sales superstar. Melinda, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Vernon. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Cool, cool, cool. So tell me a little bit about like your first sales job, before we jump into anything else with your business, let, let's let's talk about your first sales job. What was the first thing you got into? Yes, yes. I, I would always remember that job. Um, I was working at Berlitz. It's one of uh, the largest language institutions in the world. So I was hired right from after um, university as an international sales manager for this program. And uh, I was excited. I mean, you know, I would be uh, contacting with agents in the around the world, North America, South America, Europe, Asian um, sales agents. I get to travel for trade shows. So I was really excited about that role. And uh, when I started that job, most of the agents I knew, they were like 20 years into their jobs, got really a lot of experience. They, that's probably all they've done in their life. So I started and I started doing cold calling, contacting them and telling them about this wonderful product I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that I knew nothing about selling. I mean, these guys were just, they would just, you know, dominate the, the conversation. They would tell me I was too expensive. The, the program was not good enough. They wanted this. They wanted that. And I pretty much, I was just sitting there, I mean, the other end of the phone line and noting down everything said, okay, well, these are what um, my agents needed. And I would report back to my client and he was the president of Berlitz Canada. Oh, report back to my manager, the president of Berlitz Canada, and uh, and I would say, oh, this is you know, this this is what my agents need, and he would just sit there and looked at me and then said, Melinda, you just you gotta believe in your product, you gotta know what you're doing. I mean, you're being uh, you didn't, you're being controlled by these agents. So that's when I realized that okay, I probably need to figure out this a little bit better at this, you know this role as international sales manager. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, you know, I was actually, I, I was working in a, a brand new city, so I didn't know anybody. So weekends, I would go to bookstores. Back then, we still go to bookstores. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I would buy 
all different kinds of books about sales and try to really understand what sales was about. And I was I was always into books anyway, so I would take down notes and then try to implement the strategies those experts talked about. And uh, on my next calls, and I would continue to do a lot of cold calls. And slowly, that slowly, when I realized that when when I started to develop develop relationship with the agents and realize, okay, you know, how to take control of sales relationships and sales calls and get better at it. Um, it took me a while though still to, uh, to try to get better at, but that was really my first job as, uh, in sales. Oh, that, that is really interesting. So guys, what I didn't tell you guys, I kind of wanted to get a little bit of a story first from Melinda was that her current company, women making big sales is, the entity that she teaches women how to make these bigger sales. But I wanted to give you guys like a little bit of an idea of like where she got her start, because I thought it was an interesting story making that many cold calls. It's like 5,000 some odd calls that you mentioned that you've made in the past uh, yes, cold yes. calls. That in itself is just a scary proposition because everyone hates picking up the phone, especially yes. calling people that you don't know. Yes, definitely. I mean, and that's something, I mean, a lot of people ask me, I mean, uh, oh, I'm not just tell me I'm not good in sales and I'm just afraid of selling. And sometimes you just got to keep doing it, do a lot of it. I think the fear comes from lack of knowledge mm -hmm. and lack of doing it. Because just sitting there in front of, you know, a television, uh, a, a telephone or your smartphone, whatever you use right now, without doing it, you will always develop that uh, that fear. And I think the cold calls I made I really helped me overcome that fear because I've done 5,000 5, of them and I already know that what the outcome would be and I would, I would be able to naturally overcome that fear. So usually that's the first thing I tell people is that try to get the knowledge of sales, try to understand what it's about instead of just sitting there and say, I'm not good at it or, you know, um, I'm just not salesy, I'm afraid of it. So get, that, uh, get the knowledge of sales and then just do it. Right. You know, one of the things that you mentioned um, from your first sales gig is that the agents would tell you that you're too expensive. And I know that's one of the things you focus on. Um, Melinda has this really interesting document. Uh, it's five sales objections uh, to overcome when you're securing big clients. And one of the things that she talks about is the fact that you as a person presenting or pitching, because I mean, pitching is sales. It, 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 it is a lot of people, do, they don't, see pitching as sales. Oh, well, I'm just pitching my idea or my podcast or, you know, a class or something like that to people. And that's not really sales, but it really is. One of the things that you ran into was the agents telling you that you were too expensive. How do you overcome that objection? Um, I think the first thing is that um, there's is no, you have to realize that there is no perfect template for overcoming your objection. You got to first get, do your homework, try to understand the kind of person you are and your product and be ready for um, this question to come up. Mm -hmm. So when you sit there, a lot of people say, oh, you know, we all know that we're going to we're going to have this question coming up. But nobody a lot. A lot of people, they are not prepared to hear this objection. So the first thing I would always recommend is that when you are preparing for your pitch, always be ready for this question to come up. And an analysis I like to use is that pretend that when your clients is any objections, when your clients have any objections, it's almost like a baby crying. Naturally, they would have, um, it's, it's basically their way of expressing their uh, doubts or their discomfort or what they're not sure about your service. But uh, it's your job to try to understand why they're crying. And the same thing goes to their, your client saying that, oh, you're just too expensive. In reality, it's just your client saying that, oh, I'm not sure about certain things and you're too expensive. It's just a way to, um, to express why you are, uh, why they're, they're not sure about your service. So that's the first thing is get your attitude ready for this objections. And the second thing is that in my, uh, in my report, I talked about different strategies and you've mm -hmm. got to find that strategy that works best for you. So one thing would be, you know, look at the big picture. And I love using that as, uh, as, um, as a way to redirect the attention. So if the client said, oh, I think you're just too expensive for me, 
then I can simply say that, well, I can definitely, first of all, acknowledge that objection. I can understand that you have this objection. But I would like to look at the big picture. What is your biggest, uh, your most important business priority right now? So you redirect the attention from that conversation about pricing to what's most important for their business. So that's one strategy that people could use. And the second strategy is just go really close to talking about pricing. I understand why you have this objection about or why you think that my pricing is too expensive. Can you let me know which part of that pricing makes you uncomfortable? Are we and what people find is that oh they think pricing is just one number. Mm-hmm. Oh my uh, my number is too high. But a lot of times it could be different reasons, especially when you're selling to big clients. Could it be the payment term? Or could it be that uh, how you define your uh, the pricing? Can you be more commission-based instead of fixed price-based? So make that conversation more flexible in, mm-hmm. rather than f- focusing just on one number. Then you can also talk about different aspects of pricing. So there's different ways that you can approach pricing objections. But first, one, first of all, get your attitude ready. Be ready for that objection. Do your homework. How, what do you feel most comfortable? Look at your business. What can you do differently when you talk about pricing? How can you be flexible? So be ready for that conversation. And the third is always be ready to redirect that conversation. You could talk about your benefits, the benefits you'll provide, or look at the big picture. Ask them, what is the most important thing for your business right now? Let's talk about this, and then we can talk about pricing. Right. Wouldn't you say that in the sales process, most most often when the price thing comes up, it's usually because the value of what you're what you're promoting, what you're proposing to that person hasn't been communicated enough or in a way that they understand the value that they're getting. Exactly. I mean, it's a, there is a lot of back and forth. And I think every time when people talk about pricing, I get really excited about it because the first thing you can really understand is when you when the client said, you are too expensive. Then you go back and ask another question. So let's look at the best big picture. What is your most important business um, business priority right now? And to really understand, okay, what I'm offering, it, it does it align with what the client is looking for? Mm-hmm. And the second thing will also allow you is that when you keep trying to provide value and you realize that the client keeps talking about pricing, then it's a great, it's a perfect opportunity to ask the client. So if the pricing it's not an issue now. Would you work with me today? Right. Then you you pause and you listen. And that would be the perfect opportunity for this client or prospective client to sit there and then say, is this really worth, is it really just about pricing or is it about something else? So I love about, I love pricing uh, questions or objections because it really forced us to talk about something really meaningful. So if pricing is not an issue, assuming that the pricing is not an issue, would you work with me immediately today? And you'd be surprised. Sometimes people might say, um, well, there's other things I'm thinking about. Or there's <laughs> right. other concerns I have. Then we address these and until we're ready to really, really talk about pricing. Yeah, the, the, the full story comes out when you remove price out of the situation. That's funny. Perfect. Yes, exactly. That's funny. You know, now, one of the things that you, you also talk about is, is researching your clients. Yeah. And I'm big on research, and I tell people all the time, look, if you're, if you're going to do a podcast and it's going to be interview-based, make sure that you do a little bit of research on your guests so that you, you know, know who they are, what they are, what they do, and you know, what's important to them, and as much <laughs> information as you can possibly find, because you've got to find a way to connect with them if you want to have a good interview, if you want to you know, connect with them, if you're trying to sell a service, you need to know what their thing is. So you also talk about doing that and, and mentioned about you know, um, I think I heard a story, it might have been on Fabian's podcast, uh, where you had a client who attended a blab to get to know mm-hmm. the president of a company. And I thought that was yes. an interesting story. Would you mind sharing a similar story or that same one? 
Yeah, I mean, that is a great example. Um, actually, I was consulting. I was helping this female entrepreneur. She's a PR agent and try to expand her market and uh, her she, you, we all know that in PR, it's extremely competitive and she's very talented. But the problem with her was that she kept working with a lot of small clients and she was getting tired of it. She was tired of trying to always chase after another next one. And also with a small budget that her clients was working, uh, had, she was, uh, she never had enough clients and she really wanted to work with only one or two big clients and focus on the client and really do uh, what what she loves doing. So when I talked to her, she said, oh, I would love to work with fashion, you know, people in fashion industries. And I got, I knew a lot of people um, in fashion bloggers and that's what she, where she wanted to provide value. And when, um, when she said that, and I asked her about her value proposition and how she pitched, she said, oh, I could do this, I could do that, I could do, you know, I could, um, I could get them to radio shows and I could get them into blogs and magazines and television shows. And I was like, well, obviously you knew very well um, uh, your, what you do um, as a PR. You, you had the connection and you knew exactly, you know, um, how things work. But she was not targeted enough. She really wanted to do everything. And when she approached clients, she was pitching them everything. So instead of just, you know, targeting everybody and anything, and I said, okay, let's focus on three companies and three companies that you really wanted to target. And the second thing I said is that you got to look for their most urgent needs. And I constantly emphasize this What to um, to anybody I talk to, is that um, right now today's age, everybody is overflowed. You know, they've got overload of information, and the only thing you can't really work with any clients and any clients that um, that would be beneficial to your business is to have to really discover their urgent needs, and I like to call it neck bleeding pain. So it's got to be something that, you know, man, it's, they got to solve it right now. And that's the only way to really attract big clients because the reality is that it is competitive world out there. And, uh, you know, whatever you're trying to sell, your, your client already have somebody working with them most of the time. So, so you're really competing with the status quo. So they got to have really that neck bleeding pain to solve. So we went on the social media, the, the first thing I do is that going on the social media site to really understand, you know, there are a lot of ways to really understand the neck bleeding term, uh, neck bleeding pain. You know, we could think, think about what do they have introduced now? Do they have new product going for, uh, going out right now? And for this, uh, PR client I was working with fashion industries, there's always new product line coming out. And that was something that we noticed. There's a product line and it's very seasonal fashion product. It's extremely seasonal. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's when we noticed that there's seasonal aspect to it. And that could be her client's neck bleeding, uh, pain and also new product launch. And we identified the neck bleeding uh, pain. And at the same time, we use social media to understand what their uh, marketing strategy is right now. And we combine both. And we notice that one company, they're launching their new product line. And they were very excited about it. But the problem is that the product line, um, Christmas season was coming up as well. So they really need to make sure that the product line is featured for Christmas shopping season. And we were able to combine two and just so happened that the president was also through uh, social media. We noticed that the president was doing a lot of interviews to promote that uh, the product. Mm -hmm. And we interacted with the president first and then we made the pitch afterwards. And uh, she was able she actually got a call back directly from the client uh, within seven days of sending her pitch. Oh, very nice. 
Yeah, yeah. And she, I mean, when she sent out the pitch, I was even thinking about her. And I, I was like, I was wondering, okay, you know, I was, I think it really worked. The strategy, strategy would work. But at the same time, you always wonder the kind of feedback you get from the client. So I was thinking about her. And uh, I really think that she got called by from the client within 48 uh, hours. And when she sent me a message, she said, I got to talk to you. I'm like, oh, well, you know, she probably got an email back from the president or, Um, Maybe she'll get directed to um, a different department. And she was really excited. She actually told me that she got a call back directly from the president about about her proposition. And it's because she was pitching about the president's neck bleeding uh, pain. And it's an urgent pain. That's why she was able to get an impact and response that fast. Yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, I, uh, I have a lot of podcasters that actually listen to the show and one of the, I guess one of the, the big demands for podcasters is to find ways to monetize their podcast mm-hmm. and actually make money from doing this. Yes. So what type of clients would you think that a podcast would need to seek out for sponsorship? Because that's primarily how podcasts are going to make money. They're going to seek out a sponsor and they would need to, from what you're saying, find a sponsor who needs possibly interviews or Mm -mm. something else that a podcast could provide a business that would be that neck bleeding pain? Yes. It's funny that you asked me this question. Actually, I was just speaking with a podcaster about, uh, about, I'd say about five days ago. And uh, she was asking me exactly the same thing. She's like, she's trying, she was trying to monetize her business Mm -hmm. and find different ways. And she said, well, I could do this and I could do that. And I think, um, well, first of all, you would be the person or any podcaster would be the only person to really understand your business model and the kind of uh, clients you would attract. But one thing I have to say is got to be targeted. And everybody, especially today's age, everybody is looking for that specialty and very targeted, um, targeted service. So uh, the advice I gave to that specific podcaster is that you're going to, you're, whatever you're doing or whatever the kind of uh, people you want to approach, you need to make sure that the message is extremely targeted. So for example, if you said, oh, my podcast, I would like to focus on business strategies. And there are a lot of podcasts focusing on business strategies, but I would really recommend that, you know, make sure that it's not just overall business strategy. Are you going to be um, talking about marketing side, online marketing or are you going to talk about sales or are you going to or is there a specific industry you really want to target real estate business or talking about real estate business or are we talking about the online coaches business once your service is really targeted or the kind of neck bleeding pain you want to um, solve is very targeted, then it becomes a lot easier to focus on those kind of corporate clients or big clients to um, to show them what you can provide. Because then you can show them that the service you're providing is going to be targeted and you're going to stand out compared to the others. For example, me, my sales experience, um, I can tell people that I can sell to anybody. And uh, in reality is that I've done, I do sell to a lot of different people, but I chose to say that I'm selling to big clients. I can help people sell to big clients because even though despite a lot of other things I do, I mean, I also do marketing sites and online marketing, social selling. There are a lot of different aspects of selling that I do. But at the end, what I was, what I'm really good at is sell to big companies and the influencers. And I try to be very targeted in terms of that, what I do, even though it's very tempting. And I think in today's business, it's very tempting for us to want to, to, to be able to do a lot of things. But at the same time, our clients are looking for the specialty because you have to remember whatever you're pitching, they already work with your competitor. And that's always when I tell, when I tell my clients, whatever you're pitching, you're really competing with the status quo. Don't assume that they don't have a service provider. Assume that they already have similar service provider and what, how you're going to stand out. The only way to stand out is to be targeted. Say that this is what I do and I'm very good at what I do. Right. That's interesting. You know, um, one of the things that I think podcasters run into a lot 
is <clears throat> they may provide a, a service outside of, of course their podcasting, whether they're in the corporate world or whether they're providing consulting of some some sort, and they all seem to go after the same clients or the same yes. sponsors instead mm-hmm. of you know maybe going after a bigger sponsor. So you know when you when you talk about selling to to big clients and selling to bigger companies, how does that how does that sales process begin? What does that sales cycle actually look like mm-hmm. for just an individual business that wants to basically step their game up and sell to bigger clients? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I just uh, I just wrote an article about ten myths um, ten myths about selling to big clients debunked. And one thing I talked about is that a lot of people think that if one would just sell to big clients, I got to be a big company or I got to have a big marketing budget. And um, I like to say that it's complete opposite. And I am one person selling to big companies, and I've been able to do it successfully. And let's say without a big marketing budget. So um, the first thing is get in front of them. How to get in front of big clients. So um, there's a lot of different things to think about when getting in front of big clients. And I actually have a webinar um, coming up and talking specifically about you know, how to get in front of big clients. So you need to identify the, some, the big clients you, have to, uh, you want to have. And just word of caution is that when you want to target big clients, try to limit to maximum 10 clients you want to target because you need to spend time to build that relationship. And, you know, we all have different things and, you know, different aspects of business. So, um, and it's a great opportunity to help you focus. Assuming that if you could only target five big clients, who would those five big clients be? And who would those ideal big clients be? And so the first sales process is trying to um, get in front of them. And I like to say, um, create six, uh, six degrees of separations. So instead of just say, okay, you know what, this is the person I'm going to sell. I'm going to look at their LinkedIn page, try to find their email contact and try to find their phone number. And this is the person I'm selling. I like to say, do it different ways. Forget about focus on this person. Who do they work with? Who are their um, entourage? And you can get a lot of information. You have, um, for Vernon, you have a lot of experience in LinkedIn. LinkedIn will provide you tons of information about it. So I would establish a relationship with maybe the marketing manager they work with, the sales manager they work with, maybe even the clients they work with. So do the research about your target clients and the kind of people they work with and try to establish relationship with them first. I have, um, I have a formula called, a two by five formula. And basically you need to, what this entails is that you need to establish two soft contacts before you make those five official hard pitches. Oh, really? So That's two, yeah. Yeah. So two by five or two dash five contact formula. So you, this allows you to force you to really establish the two soft contacts. And, uh, and it could be very easy to do. First, the most powerful thing and what people we should always strive for is word of mouth or uh, referrals. So how do you get referrals? Instead of sending that, those cold uh, contacts, how do you get referrals? How do you get people to say, hey, guys, you should check out Vernon. Whatever he's doing is a bit amazing. So the focus should do that, you know, try to establish two soft contacts in different ways. So that would be the first sales process. And then how to bring your sales conversation to a conversation that would be towards closing. So how do you make that sales uh, pitches? And, uh, and again, um, you can check out my website, um, you know, because the timing is limited, so I won't be able to cover everything. <laughs> right. But um, I, I hate people say, you know, I would like to sell you something. You know, what did you just say when you approach a client? Why don't you just say, hey, I have an idea that I'd like to share with you, and I'd like to hear what you think. Mm-hmm. So instantly you bring that conversa- relationship from a buyer-seller relationship to a partner relationship. To You're just a guy sharing an idea with this big client and see right. what he thinks. And then instantly people are going to say, hey, I'm open to hearing new ideas. People always love to be helped, not be sold. Yeah, exactly. If you help enough people get what they want, you'll be able to get what yes. you want. <laughs> so, you know, that conversation, and, you know, it, it also softens the, the, 
you know, loosen the pressure of you having to make that sales pitch. And I love it. You know, I always say, hey, when I approach a client, I always say, I've got an idea and just want to share with you and see what you think. And uh, this is the idea I have. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the last stage is that how do you close that sales and the objection handling? You are going and be prepared for objections. And I can't believe when people say that, you know, when people are not prepared for the objections and they always talk about, oh, you know, I hate objections. You know, I hate to be objected. I hate it when people say no. So why not be prepared for it? And all you have to do is that um, prepare your strategies and how you're going to um how you're going to respond when people say no to you and be prepared for it and then do role playing and that'll be done. Right. Yeah. Um, I like how you say, you know, you listen to the objection, basically restate it and then redirect. Yes. Yes, exactly. And then uh, that would be a great, um, um, great strategy for people to switch that focus. And all you need to just switch that focus and bring that conversation to a meaningful conversation again, to talking about what's your concern and what you're really thinking about and what I can do to, uh, to, to, to see if we are going to be a, a good fit for each other. Right. No, that's, that's, um, that's really, really good advice. You know, I was looking at um, just going through you know, like your whole, this, your your document, your report that you had put together and thinking about the sales process. And the good part about it is you've actually got some examples <laughs> in here, you know, of what to say to help people understand, um, I guess, scripting part of their conversation. Now, yeah. um, I'm sure you've heard of Grant Cardone. He's a big sales guy mm-hmm. all over the Internet. He talks a lot about scripts and building mm-hmm. out scripts. Do mm-hmm. you recommend that when someone is, you know, going through their, their research part and making that first connection on LinkedIn and going through sending out emails and everything that they're doing, do you recommend that they have a set script that they just use and modify until they get their their um, pitch down to where you know it's it's solid do you recommend using scripts or do you think they sound too robotic um i definitely recommend scripts and i'm not saying that uh we we should stick with one script and um and never change it but i definitely recommend that you gotta have your mind as mindset or um basically your toolkit and i like to say the scripts are your toolkits so you know what to say when the client said no. You know what to say that when the client is about ready to uh, to make that final commitment. So definitely script would allow people to, to I say, to feel a little bit more comfortable with the whole process. But the, what, what, what's even more important about scripting is the role playing. And that's what I do a lot with my clients is that you're going to find a script that's not just, you know, posted on the website. And that's when you ask me, you know, what do what do people what should we say when the uh, the client say that you're too expensive? Mm-hmm. You gotta really look at your product and yourself and whatever you feel most comfortable and find that script that really suits yourself, suits your business, and suits you as a person. And uh, and then do the role playing and role playing with a um, with with a coach or somebody you know and to find that tone that you feel most comfortable with and. To even just be comfortable with that entire process. So I think the role playing is probably even more important than just the script itself. Right. Now, the other part of the sales process that we really hadn't talked about as we wrap it up is the mindset issues. How mm-hmm. do you develop um, a healthy mindset to where you're not super discouraged every time you start a sales process or you pitch a client and you don't hear back? right away or something like that. And I know people are, are curious about, well, you know, should I follow up? Is it something that I said or something I didn't say? And, you know, how do you deal with the mindset issues of, of doubt and fear that come in when anytime you're engaged in a sales conversation? Yeah, I think uh, the first thing is whenever we're pitching to big clients, and that's amazing thing about uh, trying to pitch to big clients is that once you you're pitching really this really really big one, all the other small ones, whenever whenever you're pitching at them or when you have whenever you're having a sales conversation with them, it all automatically becomes a lot easier or you're a lot more comfortable about it. <laughs> right. But um, just imagine, I I say I tell my client, just imagine that. 
you're a waitress in a coffee shop and you're serving coffee. You've got this pot of coffee and then you're walking around and try to sell this coffee to a client. And when you say, would you like to have a cup of coffee? And the client say, no, thank you. Would you feel, oh my God, would you feel um, completely distraught and destroyed? Oh my God, this pot of coffee, is, it's terrible. I am just not good at selling this pot of coffee. And then, you know, I'm a terrible person, terrible waitress. So just think of yourself as a person serving that coffee and they say, would you like that pot of coffee? And uh, you probably, you know, just that client, there could be a million reasons why the, uh, the one client might say no to the pot of coffee. So take it easy. Um, the first thing is just picture yourself presenting your um, presenting your um, service to them. And like I said, you know, I always tell tell people, just say I have a I have an idea I like to share with you. So you're not necessarily selling, but you're really trying to see if you guys are a good fit um, as partner to work with each other. And the second thing I like to emphasize is knowledge. If you have a lack of knowledge in sales, you will automatically fear selling. Mm-hmm. It's only now, uh, it's only natural. So all the questions, for example, when do I follow up? How do I follow up? And what to say when I follow up? Once you work with somebody who's got experience with it, or once you have the knowledge of exactly knowing what to do, that fear would instantly disappear because you know, you know what to um what to, how to react and what's about to happen. For example, the 2-5 contact formula, meaning that you got to establish two soft contacts and then you need to have five contacts, five official pitches you need to be ready for because you know that the first pitch, the client naturally, your big client or big or small, are naturally everybody's busy. So you might not hear from them. And it is only natural. And once you have that knowledge in mind, and once you know that, oh, I've already prepared five contact points for this big client, you're no longer worried about fearsome, about you know that mindset of, oh my God, I'm terrible at sales. My business is not going to work. And I've been there. I understand that, pros, uh, that, uh, that fear. So once you have that knowledge, it becomes a lot easier to, uh, to overcome the fear of selling. That's awesome. That's that's. I think that's a great point to end it on because that's. I think that's the biggest thing is it's not necessarily getting in there. It's number one knowledge of sales, not yeah. understanding what the sales process is, not doing enough research on it, um, starting a business and then just thinking that oh, okay, I'll make a, I'll make a few calls, and then yeah. you know of course I'll end up uh, selling something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's magic, you know. I'm gonna make a few calls and and there you go, I'm gonna sell something. But exactly it never happens that way. So I think that you nailed it with talking about understanding the whole sales process and everything that's involved with that because that is so, so important when you start talking about, you know, making that connection. And I, I like the way that you're that you talk about researching your clients making those soft connections and you said is your is it it's your two by five two point five system or two by five system? Yes. Two by five. Yeah two by five where you make two soft contacts and then is the You gotta be prepared for five um five contact official pitch contact points. Right. Now is that within the same uh comp- the same person that you're pitching or is that period like five making five contacts in general, or is that five within one company? I think five within one company, but you got to be, um, you got to have a different varieties. Mm-hmm. So you have to be first ready that the first, the second, the third contact what you make with this same person, it would be pr- pretty much at this point, you're pitching to that one specific person, the decision maker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know that you might not hear from them. So, um, so you kind of use different varieties and, uh, especially in today's age, um, there are a lot of ways we could do it and social selling becomes really really useful at this point of having articles your published articles ready so that when you don't we're making that pitch it's fine 
you know, you're still ready to present the article or share that article with a person. And uh, in my training, I also talk about another strategy that's called reason to call. So you could uh, you could create a campaign called reason to call to really create or further um, encourage the urgency to work with you. So um, it's just five different contact points. And, you know, we also talk about how to formulate these five contact points so that you increase your chance of getting a reply from your big client. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. I was going to end it right there, but I want to ask you a quick question now because that that brings up something that is kind of a a pet peeve of mine that I see on LinkedIn. I run a couple of uh, large LinkedIn groups. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I hate most is just seeing articles forwarded or I'll get these emails like daily from companies trying to sell various services. Oh, I thought you might be interested in this article. And it's a link to a... um, uh, what's the website, uh, a TechCrunch article, mm-hmm. or it's a link to a Mashable article that has absolutely nothing to do with them, but I'm getting an email from them, or there's a post in a group saying, oh, hey, check this out. You, We thought this would be of interest to you. It's mm-hmm. like they're trying to establish false value. Exactly. Instead of creating yes. their own reports. And it's like, do your mm-hmm. own thing. Yeah, and then do something relevant, and it becomes really important. And that's that's when um, at the beginning I talked about being targeted with, mm-hmm. you know, at least five or only five or ten big clients you want to focus on, because by all, all means we I understand that you know we're all you know a lot of podcast listeners here we're business owners and we don't have time to to just focus on selling because there's also the operation side that we have to focus on or marketing side, a lot of different aspects. And that's why you've got to be really focused in terms of big clients you want to work on. Because instead of just selling, you know, sending you, hey, Vernon, here's the article I thought you'd be interested. If it's not urgent, if it's not valuable to you, you're just going to treat it as junk. And the same thing a lot of people tell me about LinkedIn is like, oh, you know, LinkedIn is great. I can just send so many um cold um, messages to these big guys. But if you're not targeted and if you don't establish soft contacts first, most likely whenever, you know, when you send a message through LinkedIn, you are not going to get any reply. And you should not be discouraged because you're not getting any reply because it is only natural. People are not going to just reply to a cold message and that's not targeted and that does not provide any value. Right. Right. Now, that is that is awesome. You know, that was just great information. So, Melinda, tell everyone where they can find you. I know we can find you at makingbigsales.com. That's Melinda's website where she talks all about making big sales. You guys can sign up for a free webinar that she has out there that's going to pretty much go over a lot of the stuff that we covered, but in a lot more detail in that webinar. So make sure you can register now. You can also download the same report I was talking about, the five, uh, learn five objections to overcoming um, and securing big clients. And you can also book a strategy session with Melinda to talk about your sales strategy. Now, where else can we find you online? Uh, yes. Um, actually, my website is called womenmakingbigsales.com. Ah, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, womenmakingbigsales.com. It doesn't mean that, you know, males, you guys can't uh, can't go over, but there's, I mean, the the strategist is really targeting and targeting anybody. So um, it's just really about sales. So womenmakingbigsales.com definitely got a lot of stuff I talked about. And um, I also have blogs there. And the most important thing is that I am still, I am a sales director for the company. So I still go through the problems, the issues, the fear that, your listeners are going through right now. And I'm not just, uh, you know, this, this sales coach and then say, oh, well, you should do this and do that. And that's where I talk a lot in my blog. Of It's just the, the day-to-day challenges I, fit, I face and how I overcome these challenges. So a lot of people find a lot of value on the blogs and also the Facebook I have. And if you type, uh, type in women making big sales, You'll find my Facebook page. And again, I really um, try to provide practical practical tips on 
the whole sales process and the challenges, every single you know different challenges we face when we're trying to sell to uh, to clients. And for example, you mentioned you know um, when do we follow up and how to follow up and uh, with with a client and what to say when you first meet clients. So um, that's where I also um, really post a lot of uh, interesting stuff. And I really want to inspire everybody here to go after big clients. You know, we spend too much time chasing after small clients. It's like dating. You know, when you try finding a client, it's like, you know, starting a relationship. So why do you want to start a relationship with somebody who's just mediocre? Why not try <laughs> to go after somebody who's perfect for you and who's just the perfect mate for you? Right. So I really would like to, you know, inspire people to just go after big clients. And that'll dramatically um, transform your business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is a perfect note to end it on. Melinda, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun chatting with you. So um, feel free to invite me anytime. I love to talk about I'm passionate about this. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can tell. <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much. Thank you, Vernon. All right, guys, that was awesome. So, you know, I really did enjoy Melinda's system that she put together for helping women. And again, her website is womenmakingbigsales.com. Definitely something to check out. Get her email newsletter, sign up, take her webinar. Webinar is awesome. I went through it. She covers a lot of good stuff in that webinar. Some really good sales methods to strengthen your sales efforts and actually help you understand how to build out that sales funnel and offer the type of value that's going to help you close those sales and actually go after bigger clients. So, you know, one of the things that I talk to people about and that I run into is that when people are developing their their sales structure for their companies or whether it's a coaching business, whether it's, you know, podcasting, whatever you're doing, there's always room for you to be able to possibly reach out to those bigger corporate clients and start doing business with those companies to deliver your services. You would be surprised at what you can do with coaching and speaking and doing stuff like that. Kamanzi Constable is a really good example of using your your book and your podcasting and public speaking to land corporate training gigs. He's been flying all over the world over the past you know couple of years, basically doing just that, and it's pretty amazing what he's done. Melinda is amazing as far as what she's doing. She's currently working with clients. I believe she was in Singapore when we talked. <laughs> so, cause I'm actually recording this a couple days after the interview, but yeah, she's somewhere overseas doing her thing. She's actually from Canada, but that was a really great interview. I guys, I hope you go out, check out her website, go back, listen to a couple things, jot down some stuff. And I'm going to have some links to everything that we talked about in the show notes. So just go out to socialstrategypodcast.com and you're going to find everything there. So I got a couple things really quickly that I wanted to talk about. So the UMSL Digital Conference is coming up. That is super, super exciting, and I am involved in that. If you're in the St. Louis area, or even if you're not, on April 21st, we're going to have Google, Pinterest, BuzzFeed, Under Armour, Adobe, Yahoo, Refinery29, Salesforce, TEDx, Gateway Arch is involved. All of this is through UMSL Business, and that's UMSL Business, and that is the University of Missouri-St. Louis, their business uh, school. I'm co-chair of the conference this year, helping to, you know, pull everything together. And this is going to be, you know, one of the biggest social media, digital tech and big data conferences in the Midwest. It's definitely something you guys should check out, whether you're in St. Louis or not. It's only like $99, $89.99. So, I mean, it's super affordable. It's going to be downtown Union Station. We had to move it off the university campus this year because we're expecting at least 1,000 people, probably going to push somewhere around twelve maybe even 1500. We want to grow this conference to where we're having our own South by Southwest type event right here in St. Louis. So that's exciting. I am really, really happy to be a part of that conference and playing a major role in the conference with uh, sponsorship and everything else. So this is going to be an amazing event. Don't miss it. Again, April 21st, I'm going to have a link to the UMSL Digital Business Conference out on the show notes for this and actually out on the website so you guys will be able to quickly find it. And it's called, you know, Midwest Digital Marketing Conference, uh, hashtag UMSL Digital. So MDMC, UMSL Digital, 
definitely something you guys should check out. The other thing is I am still recruiting people for my book launch team. So I'm looking to have about a thousand people recruited that are you know, committed to buying the book, committed to getting the book out there and talking about it, doing those reviews, because that's the thing that's going to really, really drive it is getting those reviews. And we're trying to push this to where I get a traditional publisher from the efforts of the of the sales that come from, you know, Amazon and everything else. And actually, I am considering not releasing this on Amazon for the first run. We actually may do it just on the website. I'm talking to my book coach about it. And, you know, one of the ways that you can maximize sales when you release a book is actually not releasing it on Amazon and doing your own private sale, then doing another push to Amazon. So we're still working on the strategy. Uh, the book is it's coming along. I'm not uh, I'm not complete yet, but I'm chugging along. Uh, I may miss my 90 day mark, but that's okay. Uh, I've worked on it. I've gotten a lot further on this book than anything I've gotten or anything I've done in the past. So I'm really excited about that. This has been an interesting learning experience. Uh, lots of tears, lots of angst, lots of just, whew, it is hard to write a book, a book that you care about. It's easy to throw trash out there, but books that you care about, that actually, that you want to make an impact, those are hard to write. And I've gotten into a groove now where I'm starting to really, really crank out the stuff that I've jotted down in my notes and stuff like that. Uh, I'm using Ulysses. It's a um, Ulysses 3.0, I think is the is the official, or it's Ulysses app. Instead of Scrivener, I just ended up using Ulysses uh, just on a whim. And it's, it's really great because it, it forces me to not make excuses. There's an iPad app. There is now an iPhone app so I can write and it's all in the cloud. So all of my stuff is always with me. So I've been getting a little bit more done here just because of that. So that's awesome. Um, oh, I also wanted to tell you guys, make sure to check out Podbean. I've getting, been getting a lot of questions and a few clients, actually, <laughs> to uh, do podcast production. So podcast production is one of those things that, you know, you, you will see a couple companies doing it. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, Harry Duran, runs a company called Fullcast.co. Definitely check him out. If you're in the institutional space, big business, he's the podcast production person that you should be using. He's got a lot of experience and a really solid team. So he's doing that kind of stuff. And also, if you guys are looking at podcasting, definitely check out Podbean. Podbean is a really cool platform. You can get 30 days free on me. All you have to do, go out to the site, click on the little banner on the side, it says Podbean, and you're going to get a 30-day you know, trial on me. You won't be charged until after that 30 days. It's a really good system, lots of features on there. You have premium podcasts that you can do, all kinds of stuff. It's interesting. So if you want to offer like a, a high-end podcast that you, you know, you've like broken it down, a lot like Mixergy Premium, you can offer that through Podbean directly. They've got their own listening app. Uh, they've got their own recording mobile app now that you can record on the go. So if you get the um, the IQ6 from Zoom, you can plug it right into the bottom of your iPhone, use that, and then record. And, or you can just record right into the um, right into your iPhone microphone, which is actually pretty decent. I'm so shocked at that. And record right on the go. So it, it's a pretty awesome platform, and I definitely recommend it. Uh, yeah, so go out to the uh, website, click on the link, or you know, just use the uh, promo code VR Podbean free. If you go out to Podbean and you sign up and you need a promo code, use that promo code and you'll get 30 days for free. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. This has been a blast. And as you guys noticed, the show format has changed a little bit and it is going to continue to evolve. So let me know what you think. Definitely loving the Snapchat love at Ross PR on Snapchat, of course, at Ross PR on Twitter. And at Ross PR on Instagram, you can find me there. And I'm Vernon Ross on Facebook. And you guys know that's not my platform. So keep emailing me, Vernon at VernonRoss.com. And I love to hear the feedback. I've been getting a lot of fun emails and snaps lately, mostly snaps, which is uh, finally I'm getting followed and getting uh, a lot more interaction on Snapchat, which is just amazing. So anyway, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Thanks so much for listening to this show. I really love it. Oh, yeah. Congratulations to uh, Ivan for uh, Tumblecoff for winning the Axe Gary V book. 
book <laughs> for you Gary V fans. Yeah, I gave away a copy of the uh, Ask Gary V book. It is an amazing book. So many questions that he answers in there from the Ask Gary V show, but it goes into a lot more depth in that book. Definitely something you should pick up. I don't get a dime for you going to pick it up. I don't have a link or anything on the site, but I do have some stuff I'm going to do as far as reviews is concerned. So if you check out my Instagram, you'll see an Instagram book review I did, and I'm going to be doing a much more extensive book review on the site after this episode airs. So with that, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here, and I will see you in the next episode. My hand will